tonight is Jonathan Thurston's injury just fake news? And will Billy Slater's shock omission make New South Wales great again? Yes, the State of Origin Circus is back in town. In AFL, the choke, the bounce and the jumper punch, all up for debate. Mitchell Johnson's glorious IPL final over and Australia's football superstar pioneer Craig Johnson is our special guest as Liverpool take on Sydney FC. I know, it's hard to control your excitement because this is the Backpage Live. What a win for Australia. So much sport, so little time. They continue to speak before they think. I'll be about as relaxed as Jeff Fennick in a spelling bee. It'll cost him his job. All about the fans and what brings kids back. One of Australia's biggest rivalries. Sport doesn't stop and neither do we. He's never, he's never moved like that before or since. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Plenty to get to tonight, so let's jump right in with Kelly Underwood and Robert Crash Craddock. Hello. Big welcome to the both of you, although you are Queenslander. We'll get to that in a second. And on this side, Mr Ryan Fitzgerald and Kerry O'Keefe. Hello and welcome back, Scott. Lovely to have you. All right, look, we're going to get to State of Origin any second, but can I just start with this? If Greg Norman goes to the trouble of posting a video of himself all ripped and topless, the least we can do is give it some air time look at this 62 year old go god oh there's no washing machine at the normans <laughs> <laughs> everything's done on his belly <laughs> you know what when you design courses and all you have to do is go oh, maybe put a bunker there and a lake there and a couple of trees i reckon you have a oh. bit of spare time up your hands wouldn't you scott yeah, yeah but it's, it's a good look I mean, for a 62-year-old bloke, he's got the, you know, the boot on the leg from an injury, oh, I think, playing social tennis. It's a shame he wasn't a little bit more confident posting that himself. <laughs> oh, I mean, mate, and me. you've got to focus on his age, 62 years of age. Yes, I haven't yeah. seen a bloke that fit yeah. at that age yeah. since this bloke put this photo up. All right, OK, we've got another person who's done exactly this. Oh, dear. Oh. <laughs> Surprised to be in a gym. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can we look again? I was just walking past. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody threw some weights what, in here. You've got two different weights there, yeah, Skull. You yeah. haven't even got the right weights. No, is it, it was a South Sydney Rabbit promotion. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they got me red and green. That's <laughs> brilliant. All right, let's get to uh, Origin right here, right now. And Queensland has brutally dumped living legend, world's best fullback and really, really nice guy, Billy Slater, <laughs> in a move that threatens to destabilise their entire campaign. Crash Craddock, true or false? Totally false. I mean, what you're saying, they've only been left with Darius Boyd, the Australian fullback and player of the year last year. Goodness me, it's desperation stakes. No, I'll grant you this. It's the biggest selection call in 37 years of origin. No, no question about that. There's never been one like this. You could feel it at the Maroons media day today. You really could. And I think it's as simple as this. They flipped on it a couple of times. They spoke about it for months. And what got him over the line was the most boring thing possible for Darius Boyd. But it means a lot. Origins are one on defence. His defensive game is slightly better than Billy's at this stage of Billy's career. That won't get a back page headline, but it might just win you the origin. You are an apologist now for the Queensland team. You host your little Queenslanders only yeah. show. If you hadn't been hosting that, you would have been here pounding the pulpit. This is hey, an outrage, hey, hey, you would hey. have been saying. I can't believe Queensland have won 10 out of the last 11. Yet you know, oh, I, I spent half my time up here dodging bullets. Oh, give me and, a break, but, mate. And playing underdog. <laughs> <laughs> if, you were the, if Queenslanders were the sun, they'd be saying, look, I know I've risen every day for 2,000 years, but I never take it for granted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that moon's hard to beat every day. <laughs> 
<laughs> but Tony, classic. Your favourites to beat us crash. No, I t accept hey, it. This series is really interesting because I was in Queensland this morning, New South Wales this staff this afternoon. I've never seen least confidence in both states. Neither state thinks they're going to win. I've never seen this before. But you mentioned Queensland and their team. Oh, you didn't go through the team. There were a couple of other things I'd love to have seen it. I was so disappointed there wasn't a couple of youngsters on the bench. I really, really was. But Cohen Hess, you're thinking of? Cohen yeah. Hess, of yeah. course, and Jared Wallace. I just felt it was time. But, but, yeah. Slater, you did pick James Roberts. <laughs> you know, I know he's from Kempsey, but you're not... <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> hey, that's close enough. <laughs> the thing is, they were, I think there's some genuine uh, angst about it. You could tell that Kevy was agonising the decision, just how emotional he was at the team announcement. Because Billy's been such a wonderful player for Queensland, uh, and even when he wasn't playing last year, from a coaching point of view, um, you know, I feel he went like a, above and beyond of what he's meant to do. So. It was pretty tough. Yeah. Right. That's why you like Kebby Well, I mean, you can be oh. tough in rugby league, can't you? But you can also be emotional. And I guess what that shows us, Crash, is that he really deeply cares and yeah. that he's passionate and that that was the toughest decision he's ever had to make. I still find it so baffling. I mm. mean, mm. isn't it pretty simple? You pick the best team that you possibly can. And given mm. that they can play Darius Boyd in that same mm. side with Billy Slater and the, the veterans, what they've been able to deliver over the yep. years, maybe the last opportunity with Cooper Cronk and JT yes. and all of them together, don't you think they deserve just one last crack at it together as a team? It's a fair argument you make. There was this much in it. There, there really was. And they flip-flopped. That's why he was so emotional. A, he loves Billy Slater. I mean, have a look at this. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of the great, one of the great highlights. Yeah. And this is when he was just about to turn 21. This is more than a what? decade ago. But... You know, it, it's, it was a really tough call. I, I think that's what the players enjoy about Kevin Walters. He's got a soft side to him that, that people like. I haven't seen a Walters cry like that since Kerrod was asked to captain the Adelaide Rams. But the thing is that fullbacks in State of Origin are battering Rams. And that's the mm. and, and Darius Boyd is a better battering ram than Billy Slater at mm. his age. Yeah. I think that's the thing. That looked like touch football, Billy Slater there. But yeah. we know game one will be an arm wrestle, yeah. physical, mm. and lots of confrontation. And Boyd's yeah. better equipped to handle that. Well, Gene Miles said the same thing. It was, it was his toughest decision. He said, well, I wish we could play full, two fullbacks. Well, they can. New South Wales will pick five. Five <laughs> fullbacks. <laughs> it's really easy to do. <laughs> All right, what about uh, Jonathan Thurston? Uh, he's been picked as the 18th man. Uh, there's a couple of things in this, whether that's just... And here he is. He's going to play. I mean, every year He'll the same play. thing happens, you know, with Cooper Cronk's ankle, or was it last night? Before that, I think Cam Smith had rickets or scurvy. There's always <laughs> something going on. They always play. He's gone to the, the team today and said, I want to play. Just play me. Trust me. I can do it. They're saying, Jonathan, you know what? If something goes wrong, you're gone for the, perhaps the series and the season. So, it's Really interesting. I mean, this is... You think that call was tough on Kevin Walters. The big one's coming up in about three days' time with Thurston. And see, where he can get through is he often plays with shoulder pain. It's not a hammy. Like, with hamstrings, you're either in or you're out. But he can say, hey, look at me. I can catch the ball. I'll be fine. He's so tough. So, do you reckon they've only, they've only named Milford to upset Bennett? Do you reckon that's what he's done so they get Milford into camp? Is that the only reason they've done it? Well, it's funny because Kev Walters and Bennett have had a very complex and difficult relationship, have really fallen out over the last couple of years. And with Bennett saying, oh, I know what Milford named in an expanded squad, 
Kev naming him in the team at yes, number beautiful. six. It should have had in the... When they announced the team, it should have had in brackets after Milford, up yours, Delores. On the other side of the border, it was all sunshine and lollipops. As Laurie Daly named his blues side with very little drama. They Look at them, don't they? look relaxed. Once again, our body language expert here, Alan Peace, stroke uh, Crash Craddock. They <laughs> look yeah, ready. See, I'm not fooled a bit by that. Yeah. That, that. That's a complete sham. I, I saw them at the team announcement Beards standing up galore. in their suits. I've never seen a more tense-looking team. I was, I was with Corey Norman at the star waiting for the team to be in. <laughs> you were relaxed. <laughs> the dodgy characters there with me. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That team, though, I mean, not a great deal of surprise. Peter Wallace, I guess, was the sad story. He was picked... Uh, uh, he's the, the groin injury, so he's going to be out not just for the first one, but for the entire series. But it brings Nathan Peets in, who I think Laurie Daly would, has, would be happy to have on board, and who himself would have clearly been happy to be there. This is from when, Kel? 2012, I yeah, think. Yeah, so what are we, five years ago, um, after watching An Origin? Yep. Even though I won't make it and I'm fine with that, I dream of uh, one day playing and That's the passion, is. That passion is, you it? need. It's a great story. I mean, I, I tweeted a couple of years ago, I wish I could get off the back page, but that hasn't come through. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully I'm crossing fingers. You're, you're there forever. <laughs> when Robbie Farrow missed out, my first thought was, for Pete's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell Pearce. Uh, Mitchell Pearce is there. No real surprises. He's been playing some great footy. Uh, what does they make of it north of the border, though, Crash? They still are feeling that he will never play in a winning series against Queensland. And 15 matches, and I know we talk about it all the time. Yep. I heard Boyd Cordner say the other day, he, he's only just found out how good he is. Yep. But I saw it in his face at the team announcement, Tone. He's still very nervous, I reckon. He, he oh, needs, a, he needs a really good... motivation in sport to prove people wrong. Yes. Yeah, yeah. but he needs a good first Pitchy game. and I tried it throughout our career. <laughs> <laughs> Game one. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell Pierce, game one. Yeah. Prove people wrong. Yeah. Yep. Can't wait for it. All right, uh, Jesse Bromwich has copped plenty and lost plenty for his tipple with the Peruvian marching powder. He's uh, clearly remorseful, just wants to make it up to his teammates, as he told NRL 360's Ben Eichen. They needed answers and they deserved answers was the main thing. You know, so I stood up, uh, told my side of the story, um, told them what had happened and apologised, you know, to the leadership group to the coaching staff and to all the players in the room how sorry I was because, you know, it's a huge mistake, it's a dumb mistake and if I could get that across to them, hopefully they could uh, uh, forgive me. Again, you can see and sense the remorse in that man. Yeah, absolutely. You can sense that he is remorseful. I guess with these things, I mean, you expect it from maybe young players yeah. that mm. they make mistakes, but he's 28, he's a father of two. He had his wife there for that team meeting mm. where he apologised to them all. He has made a, one huge mistake and he's mm. clearly, clearly still paying for it. I've got to say, I, the, the whole excuse of I can't remember, I yeah. just can't buy it, no. I'm sorry. No. And the other thing is, and, and these are questions I'd love to ask, which will never be answered, mm. But he met the dealer outside the nightclub. Like, was it a rendezvous? Was it a... Was, did he have his phone number? How did he know that guy? Like, I mean... And you didn't remember? It all blacked out. And good on him for, for showing remorse. I, I'm yeah. sure he'll never go anywhere like that again. But I... Sorry, Listen, just you come. Detective yeah. Colombo over there. See, well, I, well. Used to, I used to black out so much, I used to apologise to my teammates before I went out. <laughs> <laughs> so I, spent, gonna... I spent two hours on the phone every morning after, uh, full of apologies. So 
You can black out, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you can. You can? Yeah, I've proved it throughout my career. <laughs> was this on the picture? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the NRL now, this is obviously there was punishments for individuals and that's what it's been like over the, over the years. But they're talking about this good behaviour scheme. Now, I don't want anybody makes for this. 400 grand, I think it is. It's a fund for every club. It's reduced for every act of atrocity. And now all the players will cop it if one of their own goes off the rails. Now, isn't this just your schoolyard yeah, stuff? Yeah, I mean, treat them like little boys and they're probably going to act like little boys, aren't they? It seems... Well, the obvious thing is, if you don't stuff up during the year, you've got 400 grand for the footy trip and then yeah, you can stuff up. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then you can have a real crack. <laughs> <laughs> Please do not encourage that. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of action uh, I want to show you, though, from the weekend. Manly were impressive against the Titans, although they did gift the goal coach with this try. I love that the ball bounces off Brian Kelly's box straight into Ash Taylor and over in the corner. It's an underused thing, the... Uh, yeah. The heads set in the football Yeah, it's a set play, I think, from yep. the Sea Eagles. Doing it very well. Now, look, despite what your parents say, kids, using your head isn't always the smartest thing to do. Now, like two, White two, Sox two. outfielder, uh, Laurie Garcia's effort. Look at this. Playing against the Angels. Out comes, takes the big dive. Oh. Straight off the scone. And they win the game, Los Angeles. Oh. Just iron the ball is one thing, but iron the ball literally... Wrong. <laughs> Which leads us to this week's top five drop catches that resulted in a sore head. Right. Brought to you by Kia. Number five, uh, first up, the Warriors. Billy Tupo, look under the high ball here and he comes, got covered. Oh. Great thing is, the ball's gone backwards, it's play on. Oh. Away they go. He actually scored three tries oh. on that day, Billy, uh, oh. and the Falcon. <laughs> this is South Australia's aptly named Travis oh, Head. Yeah, uh, using his. Yeah, using his surname to good effect. Oh. And oh. straight oh. onto the mouth. Uh, a little bit of repair work was obviously needed for Travis, uh, but he could go on. Number three, just Curly Beale, this is terrific, the past, just falling far enough. Straight to the opposition. And a feasting on the field. This at least has a happy ending. Again, down and bonk on the head, but got a teammate there, takes the catch. No drama whatsoever. <laughs> and into the glove. Perfect teamwork there. But at number one, the uh, most famous moment, one of them in American baseball, Jose Canseco. And this is the home run off the head. <laughs> Brilliant, wasn't that it? That sums up Canseco. He was great in the Simpsons book. There you go, there's the top five. Uh, look, right now, I, I, can I just give my father-in-law, Doug Pascoe, time to turn away? Now we're going to talk about Richmond. <laughs> oh. OK, they've done it again, Kel. Uh, breaking hearts every weekend. What's happening? Oh, look, Tony, if it wasn't so heartbreaking, it would be very, very funny. But uh, three in a row by less than a kick. That was touch, so the goal didn't count. They uh, had to reset with uh, a minute on the clock. And what did the Giants do? They oh. absolutely break their hearts. It was a terrible last play. They were criticised all last week for their last play of the day against Fremantle. So they've lost to the Dockers by five, Fremantle by two, and the Giants by three. They were the, the better, they were the better team on the, the night. They were by a mile, but the disappointing thing was there was a review with the touch. Yep. OK, they had time to set up zone, maybe even put someone loose in defence. They didn't do it. Then the GWS fullback, he actually kicked out. The umpire brought it back. They had even more time and still didn't set mm. up properly, Kill. I mean, Damien Hardwick would have been pulling his hair out up in the coach's box. Mm. And imagine what the fans must be doing. I mean, I, I was watching that on my yeah. couch and I felt 
sick in the pit of my tummy yeah. because I knew it. I mean, they were led by, what was it, 27 points early in that last quarter. Yeah. It was like watching a car accident in slow motion. You knew what yeah. was going to happen. And all the defenders had to do was get hands on the ball. Mm. Yeah. You know, it, it was like watching mini-me keeping goal in a penalty shootout. Will Anderson has started the term now yeah. that it's a Richmondy Richmond Richmond thing to do. So it's cool. a putt by 12 inches, that's so Richmond. <laughs> uh, all right, at quarter time, Nathan Buckley's coaching career was over uh, by the full-time <laughs> siren. He was a miracle worker, Conley coming from 43 points down at one stage to beat the Hawks. Kel, this is uh, amazing, isn't it? Well, 37 zip. At one point, yeah. and you thought, you didn't know whether he was going to get sacked on Monday, but you knew one thing, he wasn't going to get reappointed next year. But, um, Do you know the funniest thing was, Kill at quarter time, reading social media from the Collingwood fans, it was hilarious. I'm ripping up my membership. Yeah. Pete Hellier was writing, I love this club, but this is a disgrace. Everyone was saying, Bucks has to go. And then and at then, the end... And then an hour later, everyone's gone, here. <laughs> Give him another two years. Uh, shallow as a car park puddle, fans, yes. aren't they? I love it. He didn't muck around, though, Bucks, did he, at the quarter-time huddle. He was into them. He was. It's an old-fashioned bake, and uh, it worked. I mean, we haven't seen this too often mm -hmm. from... I mean, as a, as a player, Fitzy, you sort of either loved him or hated oh. him. But as a coach, nothing but respect for the way he's gone about it and the position that he finds himself in. So you don't usually don't, see that angry side. I don't reckon the AFL realises how much they need Buckley. He's yep. so... From yep. outside the competition, you can see it. He's one of the few coaches with real personality, polarisers. I mean, you're missing guys like Sheedy and Malthouse mm. and all those stories. Yeah, you've got to be winning games, haven't you? Yeah, yeah I, I know. He'll probably go, but, geez, they'll yeah. miss him. I mean, I'd love for him people... to go to another club. Yeah. I really would. Start afresh, go somewhere else. He, he needs another head roll. And I he's reckon. been really smart in the media, by the way, he's dealt with it, because he mm. understands that he's got to be honest in these media conferences, because if he gets defensive or if he gets cranky at all that yep. the media's jumping on his back straight away. So the way he's handled this pressure, I, th I think, I mean, he's smart. Yeah. yeah. Another big story, of course, at, at the weekend. Uh, she's in the history books. Uh, the AFL's first woman field umpire, Eleni Vluftus. She appeared to make much of the right calls during the afternoon at, at, at the weekend, Kel. Yeah, it was, look, at times a bit of a nervy start, which you could imagine yes. because no-one has walked all in eyes. her shows, shoes yeah. and all eyes were on her. The players get to have a jumper presentation before the game, Tony, and she was presented with an engraved whistle. Uh, that was her first bounce, which maybe didn't have the height that it should have, but... Mm. Um, and then here she is, so you right in the thick of the action. Was there... When she walked on, was it great? Was there... It a... was. It was... I mean, it felt like a real moment. Yeah, yeah. she led them out, and, and the, uh, what I liked most was... And I was there at the ground was the respect that the players showed her. Yeah. A couple of the West Coast Eagles, before the very first bounce, went out of their way, ran 20 metres to shake her hand and wish her the best. And she said there was a lot of communication between her and the players on the field and, you know, they were saying, keep going, keep, keep the confidence she, levels up, which is wow. great. She, she wasn't the only... Uh, the umpires had some real problems over the weekends with grounds and soft grounds to mm. bounce the ball. They, they get the decision to either throw it up or bounce it before the game and they chose to bounce it. Yeah, well, well, that was a soft deck. There was obviously some conversation centred on this, yeah. uh, that her bounce. But I've also, uh, you know, I've studied her mechanics. Uh -huh. She's got a very poor bouncer but a killer Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> so what, they relayed the turf, Fitzy, right? They relayed the turf right in the centre of the ground. So yeah. she mm. ended up in that second half just throwing the ball up in the air, mm. which was the right decision to make. But she wasn't the only umpire yeah. that battled with that bounce yeah. at that ground over the weekend. Your Swannies played there the day yep. before. 
and uh, a lot of did the they? umpires, they did. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the umpires, here's one. Have a look at yeah, that. Look, I mean, that's you know just... And I feel for the yes. poor AFL players. Bad bouncers. <laughs> they get them during a game and also when they go to nightclubs after <laughs> the game as well. Struggling all the time with them, aren't they? Yeah, look, that's right. It wasn't just... That surface was obviously quite difficult. But yeah. I, I just think the whole idea of the bounce maybe stopping some umpires who are, are good enough for umpires, it's like, you know, a rugby league referee being a terrific referee but not being great with whistle technique. It's just... Mm. Stop yeah, the bounce. the push is mounting, isn't it? To yeah. get Throw the bounce eventually. Look, I, I don't think it's a spectacle. Like, an umpire does a good bounce. I don't think it's that much of a spectacle. You'd rather have it yeah. even between the two ruckmen. It's just the TV yeah. show would not be called the bounce, but the throw-up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the purists will say it differentiates... <laughs> the purists would say it differentiates AFL from any other yeah. sport. And if you throw it up, it's a bit like basketball. But if you throw it up... I and mean, they do it all yeah. around the ground. Mm. It's yeah. not going to become basketball. So no. I think it's mm. a sensible thing to do. Look, I wasn't going to talk about this, but... Uh, since we just saw that this one is there with that bad bounce. Uh, do you think other teams uh, are hearing the footsteps behind them of the men in red and white, Kel? I mean, you, I think you're <laughs> Who exactly. is this Look bloke? This. Look at this. This is we been Frank oh, six Bang. weeks, Tony. Yeah. He's Look. a better left footer than the Pope. <laughs> Dan Hanbury, what an assist there. This is just beautiful. Oh, hasn't watch. Tony changed his um, I haven't changed my gen. It was this. The, the, Kelly sitting right next to me said, they won't play finals, They Tony. won't. Mm. They won't. Still? They won't. No. They still kill. Win nine or ten of your last well, thirteen. Well, see, the Crows now have lost a couple. They're lucky that a couple of the top teams have lost games now. They're, they're only two games out of the eight. At the moment, they're just going through the shelter, working out which ones they're going to lose. Yeah. But, I, but I love this sort of tone of the talk that if they limped into eighth place, it'd be you know, let's have a street parade. They made the finals. Mate, they should be in the top three every year. <laughs> they may well be yet. Who knows? They were in the grand final last year, if you remember. All right, then more drama with the jumper punch, where the victim is protected by that beautiful thin layer of fabric. Uh, AFL boss Glenn McLaughlin, he, he wants a stronger response, uh, saying it's not a good look for the game. It's not just the jumper punch, there's a whole bit of niggle the, uh, that's through the jumper, the gut punch. Yeah, the gut punch, mm -hmm. the, uh, the chest punch. Yeah. So, um, look, it's, it's not a good look, is it? And it, it sort of all stems from the one we saw at the start, Trent Cochin yep. using the jumper to actually clip someone on the chin and he got off as a result because of the system as it stands. And the AFL has said today they're going to revise that by the mid-season break and introduce some rules so that punching is out of the game, Fitzy. Yeah, no, I totally agree with it. And, I mean, it's, it, you know what? It was... Bernie Vince did a great job on Higgins on the weekend, but it's it's just not a look, good look when it happens the whole game. Yeah. And you see at a stoppage and at they close up of those two, and kids are watching that, and it's yeah. just consistently in the ribs. Should I mean, you... I did it to Kerry before, but yeah. I did jump <laughs> jumping punches in the toilet before. Yeah. Should, you miss, should you miss a game? Should you be suspended for them. a game <laughs> for a cheap shot? Do you think? I look. Severity-wise, I mean, this is what you've got to take into consideration, but it's simple, Kel. If you clench a fist and you hit someone with it, you've got to be... There's got to be a suspension. Well, the NRL has, has already got that, so it is happening. Unless it's, it's a bigger fine, a larger fine. It's valid. All right, very rare to see a knockout with a jumper punch, uh, let alone a double KO uh, like this one. Uh, they're sizing each other. Bam! <laughs> Down they go. Look at that. That's the kind of thing you want to see. Oh, but he's up. Yeah, yeah, he's up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was Yeah, isn't up at all. But the, he's still struggling. And down you go. Look at that. Oh, oh. oh. So you get the fight overnight.
nice and early. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just good timing. Yeah, there it is. There is Double Punch coming up. Uh, Aussie Liverpool legend Craig Johnson joins us right here. One of the biggest full moons you'll ever see at the footy. Plus the cheeky fan who stole more than just the limelight. Sad, Nicky Hayden losing the battle after being struck by a car while cycling in Italy. The 2006 MotoGP world champion, the Kentucky kid, was loved by fans and his peers, Skull. And that is the problem, mate. When somebody so loved dies young, like Nicky Hayden did. I don't know MotoGP, but I've read a lot on Nicky Hayden. And the fact that all those had anything to do with him just loved him. And this is a deeply felt loss. His father was Earl, who's still alive, but very ill. And um, Nicky took his bike number 69 because his dad, who raised him not to drink, uh, do drugs, smoke, raised him clean with all the other children, said 69 reads the same upright as upside down. So Nicky Hayden took bike 69 in honour of his dad. And um, this is a real blow to MotoGP. Yeah. And all those, I mean, Mark Webber texted yeah. about it. So yeah, in indeed. Va veil to Nicky Hayden. Uh, indeed. All right. Uh, Mitchell Johnson uh, still got it in the cricket, hasn't he? We've thrown the ball for the last over in the IPL final with Steve Smith's rising Pune team needing 11 runs to win. Now Johnson picked up a wicket and then steamed in, as you'll hear right here, at the Aussie captain. Johnson around the wicket. Steve Smith on strike. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. But no! Straight to the man! Missed him. I didn't see him in there. What a wonderful catch. Look at Steve Smith. Look at Mitchell Johnson. Look at the emotion out there. Four to win. Last ball. Gets it in the gap. Won't be good enough, though. Take two. The try and come back for three. They have to try. Party Patel rips the balls off. Mumbai Indians. IPL champions 2017. Uh, wow. Great scenes there and great for Mitchell Johnson. It's got to be said, Steve Smith did hit that ball. That he got he out didn't on, just didn't get a feather to an outswing, <laughs> did he? That, that, that was laser beam to, to deep cover. But Mumbai Indians had the best percentage in mm. the regular season. They should have won it and they won by one run on a, on a formula that everybody will copy in T20. Six batsmen that average around 30 with a strike rate of 140 plus. You've got to really go for it in the top six. Uh, a thrashing seven and spinners that go at under seven runs and over through the tournament and fast bowlers with Yorkers, Mitchell Johnson, Bumrah 
and um, Malinga still doing it at 33. So they've got a formula that everybody's going to yeah. copy, the Mumbai Indians. See, they're, they're not the only one. Every cricketer celebrates like that when you get picked up in the auction of the IPL. <laughs> 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 when you check your bank account the next day. All right, with a longer form of the game, Australian coach Darren Lehman reckons the pay dispute will be over without strike action affecting the Ashes series. Gee, this would be a good thing. Is it true, Crash? Look, I tell you what, they're as further apart as they've ever been, Kerry, aren't they? It's really on, isn't it? There's literally hatred between them. And yeah. it's as bitter as I... There's been about three of these in the last 20 years. This is the most hard fought out of them because it's now become a matter of ego, Kerry, hasn't it? it No-one wants to give a square centimetre to the other. And both sides are acting tough and are tough. I mean, the players, the trade union, are solidly behind each other. I mean, every sport in Australia, and I read an article by Patrick Smith on Saturday, is, is restricting costs. Cricket Australia is no different. They don't want to pay the Sheffield Shield players what they, the, the bonuses they've been given through the revenue because they don't believe they raise revenue. Mm. Uh, they see them as a liability. But the comrades have stuck you know, tight. Uh, Smith, Warner, Stark... They, they are fighting as much for the lowly... Well, they're not lowly paid, the Sheffield Shield no. players, but they, they say they should retain the, uh, their 26% of revenue. And Cricket Australia is saying, no, you know, we're looking... Those that generate the revenue, revenue get the, the bigger money and then it filters down. And players have options these days, Kerry, so it feels like if you're looking at either side that maybe, you know, when it comes to the crunch, maybe Cricket Australia doesn't have a leg to stand on because the players can say, well, we can go to the IPL or we could play 2020, 12 months of the year. Definitely. Are we six weeks oh, away from maybe even a lockout? Oh, I think we are. I think July 1, it won't be resolved and players will be off contract. It's effectively unemployed or on strike, whichever way you look at it. But there are external options, like... Mm. But because of the entrenched value of Test cricket to Warner, Smith, Stark, they won't want to become T20 mavericks. Mm. They will want to stick solid to Australian Test cricket. And, and that's the card that Cricket Australia probably will play. They know they love the establishment game and they want to be part of it. Yeah, they can't take away the ashes. They can't take away my summer. It's just not fair. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. All right, the powers that be at the French Open have come over all hoity-toity and rejected a wild-card entry from Maria Sharapova. This is just sheer bloody mindedness, Kel, isn't it? Well, she requested the wild card, and as you said, she was denied. Um, why should she be given preferential treatment to other players that have been slogging it out on the sort of second-tier tournament? She's really, really good to try and get through. I, I just wonder with this, and of course, she's a former two-time champion. She's won the five slams, two of them at the French, so yeah. she's won on every surface. I wonder whether they thought no, Serena Muguruza's injured. Yeah. What sort of look would it have been if they let her in and she won that tournament? Mm. What would it time. say about that tournament? But so, see, from the one country that pride themselves on being lovers, you don't have the biggest female grunter in the world. <laughs> <laughs> what about the? Oh, well, well, there's that point. <laughs> oh, there's, <laughs> well, there's that point. But she has got a wild card into Wimbledon, Wimbledon qualifying, which yep. is the right is she... thing to do because she's yep. done her time. Yep. As it stands right now, she's not a drug cheat. At last, yep. they've got exactly. a villain. At last, women's tennis have got this, you know, villainous character. She'd be great for them. But how would you like to be her playing the rest of her career? 
being really loathed in the in the locker room and by the fans. Oh, I would say for the last ten years she's been pretty loathed in the locker yeah, room. But, it, but it's it's more now, isn't yeah. it? It's just downright. I, I, it'd be a terrible. And place as to a rank is coming back at Wimbledon after having a, a little baby, and yeah. so it's it's all happening in women's tennis. Yeah. yeah. All right. Look, uh, when you're losing, you you either do what I do, you tank, uh, or, or try to convince your opponent you've got something still going on in the tank, and uh, maybe that's what Rick uh, Fujiwara was up to. Look at this. Uh, she's playing, not doing so well. Between each point that she'd lose her, if she'd win, she'd just go down and give her some, pu some push-ups. Surely she should be conserving her energy. She's down 5-1 at that point. She was going to dinner at the Normans. Norman's <laughs> 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 well, He did hurt himself playing tennis. <laughs> 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 I mean, look bad next to Greg tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Bizarre. All right, the drop shot, uh, drop shot is a thing of absolute beauty and they don't come any better than Adrian Manarino in the Rome Masters. This is just great. Over the net and back over oh, on his own side. That's just classy, isn't it? I mean, if you can learn to do that every time, you'd be number one for sure. <laughs> exactly. Not a lot you can do about that as the opposition. Well... Truth be told, he did go on to lose the game, but still. <laughs> you, uh, you might remember this moment last year when Ivan Dodig uh, drills partner Marcelo Mello in the head with a forehand. It's a terrific thing uh, for a doubles partner to get up to. Uh, here he goes, and boom. <laughs> straight in the back of the scone. Uh, it was brutal. And obviously seeing if he's OK, it wasn't too bad. Not surprisingly, uh, Marcelo has a new doubles partner in 2017, teaming up with Lucas Kubot in Rome. Uh, and sadly... Oh, he's <laughs> he's <laughs> looking for another doubles partner. <laughs> I want my partner's lower at the net. <laughs> After watching that, I wouldn't mind playing doubles with Bernard Tomic. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be better off playing with Chris Mutz. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Langer. <laughs> <Dolphy> Langer. <laughs> uh, you know how athletes uh, bite their medals for the cameras? Well, bronze medal winners from the Rio Olympics have stopped doing that since they're likely to take a full chunk out of them. What is going on, Crash? Oh, These, uh, <laughs> it was the ultimate punchline for the Games that didn't quite work and the medals are falling apart. But I've got to give you the tip. The medals are actually in reasonable shape when you compare them to the stadiums. Uh -huh. Like the swimming stadium, which was the most grandiose venue oh, you've ever no. seen. Have a look at it now. <laughs> this is less than a year from the Games. I mean, oh. in all honesty... Well, that's, that, 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 that water's the same colour as it was in the, the diving pool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's not just rust and, and flaking that's an issue. A few bronze medalists had very different problems with their medals, as you can see here. Thirdst. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, mean, I mean, you've got to send that back. You've got to send that back. Get me a real one. Well, I knew there was a problem with the medals, because I, I, I saw a few gold medals eating them on the day. <laughs> I think even Ryan locked his handcuffs of rusted as well. <laughs> Some scary but spectacular pictures from the bikes at the weekend. This is amazing. This is from uh, the Moto3. And if any of you saw this, just terrifying. Uh, and some just great escapes as these bikes come through over the top of the riders who are prone on the ground. And some amazing escapes. Bikes going over the top. You can see oh. there. Watch this bike coming and straight oh. over the top. They've ducked under them. Just that's what, you, that's what happens if you let coal seam gas come into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just phenomenal. Uh,
amazing pictures there. Jack Miller went down, you know, the uh, the Townsville boy who's done, I think it was 31 broken bones before he was 14. Yeah. Incredibly tough. Yeah, oh. there and he is here. There he is here. Oh. And look at this. Oh. Somehow emerges. And some people up. think some yeah. people think he is the toughest sportsman in Australia. And I'll tell you what, I it walked away. The yeah. mm. If you had to argue it, it'd be hard to argue against him. He just keeps on coming up. If, if, if the Russian judge gave you one, you wouldn't dispute it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing. Gets up. Look, he's absolutely okay. Just phenomenal, though, all of those pictures. All right. In baseball, uh, fans are allowed, obviously, to souvenir balls that fly into the stands. That's not the case in football. It didn't, however, stop this Rangers fan. Now, this is midway through the game. Uh, the ball goes up. I've got it. Away he goes. Out through the stands. Oh, <laughs> We used to do that at suburban grounds. When you used to go and play at another team's ground, and if they had a little embankment behind the goals, you used to hang behind the goals. If someone kicked the goal, you'd ammo a lot of to your mate, brand new Sharon in the back of the car, and off you'd go. At oh. Port Nalunga. Yep. And at Port Nalunga every you now and really then. You really are just an Adelaide crook. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, I steal the back page mugs every day. <laughs> yeah. Which is you why guys... you haven't got one in front yeah. of you right now. How are you guys free settlers? <laughs> <laughs> that thing, though, either that one or yours, Fitzy, it's the best steal since this one I do like. This is from the 1965 grand final, won by the mighty. St George Dragons over South Sydney. That's not the point. The crowd's kind of getting on there. But we show you, check out the ball boy oh. coming through. He pops that one out. Yeah. Uh, he's got the ball does a runner and escapes oh. with a game ball. Oh. You know, that's Laurie Daly. Held <laughs> <laughs> it against St George forever. Alright, if you have your moment on camera, please use it wisely. Uh, like this bloke in the English Super League behind the goal kicker. Not the kid with the thumb. Uh, but the man... Look, forget the supermoon. That's bigger. That, that was the best tackle that they had all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the telly. I've got two choices. Zoolander's blue steel or a moon. <laughs> and, Kerry, we don't approve of that behaviour. No, no. uh, so much so that we're prepared to publicly shame these other full mooners who we've seen over the years. This oh. fella, yeah, oh. successfully puts the opposition's penalty oh. attempt off. Look at that. Man. Oh. Uh, can't concentrate. Uh, I'm pretty sure Buddy wasn't even aware of this place. Oh. Look at that. Just coming through. Oh. Uh, this is Blake Shin. Blake Shin showing much more than his shin there. And this one, the great, great oh. Britain box. Oh. Oh. Had, to get it back. Had to get it back, ladies and gentlemen. That's Having seen that, I am over the moon. <laughs> I have to admit, I was actually uh, more disturbed by the antics of this spectator <laughs> at the golf at the weekend. Uh, Jason Day lost. I'd rather see a bum than that. Oh, no, they're on telly. Oh. Coming up, a very special guest, the trailblazer of Australian football, Liverpool legend Craig Johnson joins us next.
good is that Liverpool <laughs> here to take on Sydney FC? But more importantly, Liverpool is right here in the form of our very own champion, Craig Johnson. Welcome to the show. Lovely to have you here. Thank you. I'm, I'm enjoying the show. Oh, it's uh, very funny. Oh. Oh, yeah, no, we, we, honestly, we get worse. As we <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, these blokes sit here for an hour or so uh -huh. right, and get paid for telling gags about sport. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all live in the industry. Yeah. And how, how fabulous. Yeah. You know, how fabulous. Oh, we don't get that much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You've been enjoying yourself, though, since you've been here, and you do, obviously, as a, a proud Novocastrian, Leighton Macquarie, beautiful Spears Point, all those places that we both love. Yeah. Uh, but today, I, I saw you swanning around in Bondi. I think we've got some pictures of you. Uh, look at this. Just <laughs> manfully down the beach. I've put on weight since yesterday. <laughs> and cheating oh, as well. No, 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 it wasn't cheat. I was just faster than that. <laughs> How is it being here with this group of guys? Well... You know, one of them, Gary, Gary McAllister, was kind of like legend, legend, you know, like a footballer's footballer and a sportsman's sportsman, a Scotsman. So the other night, and I know it's late night television here, um, uh, five o'clock, he said, do you fancy a pint down in the rocks? So I said, yeah, why not? Thinking, you know, a couple of beers and I'll hear some of his great stories, you know, in that Scottish accent. Yeah. We're still there at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we missed dinner, and it must have had a hundred beers, but it didn't matter. I was hanging on every word he wow. said. So, mm. so today, I, they, the the thing was to take him down Bondi and show him a bit of Aussie Aussie culture stuff, uh, which was hence the uh, the uh, the blow up kit. Well, I didn't uh, see any uh, NRL players at five a.m. Did you? No. While you were <laughs> <laughs> Coming out of the bar. No, no, exactly. <laughs> Would it be fair to say, and I'm going to say it, that uh, Australia's love affair with Liverpool is in no small part due to you? Um, well, you know, uh, if if I got five bucks for every bloke or women or child that came up and said I'm a Liverpool supporter because of you, and they mean it sincerely, and I'm going way back, yeah. way back when. Um, because um, I was one of the first ever foreigners in British football, which is kind of weird. You know, now there's foreigners everywhere. It's mostly foreigners. Mm. But uh, there was only... There was plenty of Scotsmen, plenty of Irishmen, plenty of Welshmen, you know, playing for the teams. But an Aussie was unheard of. Yeah. You know, and somebody described it at my old high school. I said I was going to England to play soccer. Yeah. was like an Eskimo coming to Sydney to play rugby league. <laughs> Kind of weird back then. <laughs> yeah. Now it's accepted. You, yeah. you, you got to go overseas and make a proper living before you can come back and be a you know a, a, a player. So yeah, it, and and they share their stories with me and uh, they thank me. And then clearly I thank them because Liverpool is not like other clubs. It's incredibly special and the story is a very special story. And as I keep saying, there's a cultural connection. And I think a lot of it's to do with the Irish underpinning in Liverpool and our heritage. And, you know, we like a laugh, we like a beer, where there's a sense of irony and sense of humour there. And Liverpool and Australia just, just connects. Yeah. They're back four times in four years. Why? They feel the love. Yep. And really one, do. one of those times... Oh, and you would have been there at the MCG four years ago and that rendition of 95,000 fans belting out Never Walk Alone wow. was Kelly. the most spine-tingling sporting experience I have ever, ever experienced. Wow. It was a good, good rendition well, right up well, there. Well, they, is that why you're wearing the red? Yeah. <laughs> it is why I'm wearing the red. In memory. I was on the field in the middle of it. Yeah. I was right in the middle of the field wow. with Ian Rush and we did the lap of honour. 
and, and they, pl they played Melbourne Victory. Ange Postacoglu was coaching them that time, and you got to go in and give them a pep talk a couple of days beforehand. I did. Yeah. I did. And is it, am I right in saying in that year you also, Alistair Clarkson, the legendary Hawthorne yeah. AFL coach, invited you in to give the Hawks a pep talk before their prelim the, against the, their arch-rival, the Cats, that year? That's right. That's right. And uh, it's funny, but people ask you to do that go into dressing rooms of a sport, you know, and I you know, love rugby league, you know, like AFL, you know, because I'm not a Melbourneite, I didn't really get into it, but all of a sudden you stand in front of all these legend Hawks blokes that are, you know, muscly big and they're like, what's this little soccer player bloke going to say, this old guy, you know? And first thing I said is, because um, I fully believe that within every player there's 3 or 4% of untapped potential, right? And if you look internally you can find it and get it. And it's based on some very simple things that, that you do. I'm not going to tell you now because we don't have enough time. <laughs> so I said to the guys, um, well, what do I know about AFL, you know? Uh, and I said, I said, well, it's not about me. I said, but one day, each one of you blokes is going to be asked to go back to your school and tell them your story, you know? So if you start thinking about now your story, then you'll start understanding that that, that are you given everything that you possibly can to this part of your life and this part of your sport? And that's how you start to, to get... Um, uh, build a confidence in players. And then the other thing is, in, it, in every sport, right, there's only four skills. Yep. In soccer, there's only control, pass, dribble, shoot. And if you can get faster and more accurate at those four mm. skills, you'll make less mistakes and you'll be, be a better player on a, on a daily basis. Mm. So Ange asked me to speak to the boys, right, the Melbourne Victory boys, and, again, they were expecting um, some, you know, big, big speech. And I said, I said, hey, guys, there's only one difference between you and the Liverpool players. Everything the Liverpool players do, they do it faster and they do it more accurately. And there's only four skills. They get the ball quicker and they give it quicker and more accurate. And, Craig, uh, 20 years ago, someone gave me your book, Walk Alone, and I thought it was, and still to this day, the most inspiring autobiography I've ever read. And it just... Like you said, I was one of the first Aussies over there and foreign players, but you went there as a 15-year-old, and I remember that story. Jack Charlton almost laughed at you, didn't he? He said, you're the worst player I've ever seen, and... Uh, how you got through it, I'll never know. He I'd... didn't laugh at me. He told me to F off. <laughs> <laughs> he did. I was 15-year-old. Yeah. Parents had sold a house, my house, at uh, their house, to finance my trip. In the, tr the trial, I told Bozzy and those guys last night, I hope I'm not repeating myself, but it, 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 it's a famous story, a well-told told story. Had a go at everybody in the dressing room. You're crap, useless, rubbish, you know, hopeless. And he said, and you, where are you from? I said, uh... Newcastle, uh, North New South Wales, Australia. He said, you are the worst footballer I've ever seen in my life. Now, <laughs> and I said, what, now, half-time? It was half-time, now. He said, now. But so you, I packed you, my little bags and went. You keep saying that you're, you're the worst footballer. We, we, you weren't, you're amazing, but you were probably the worst rapper. <laughs> um, we've got a bit of the Anfield rap here. Oh, yeah. Listen to this. <laughs> it's great lyric. Yeah, well, we're split up now. For that reason, I should not watch it. I should not watch it. I actually wrote that. And, and you know, you know what the whole song was about? Uh, that was 
just when rap was just coming to, to England. <laughs> so, so what it was about, right, in, in the FA Cup final when we beat Everton, there wasn't a single Englishman on the team. So if you went into our dressing room, there's all the accents, the Irish, the Scots, the Danish, the Zimbabwean and Aussie accent. So it was about our remarkable team spirit, given we from, were from all four, four corners of the earth. Yeah. You know, and the whole thing was about ac accents. So if you listen to the song, and I, clearly I added the Aussie accent, <laughs> but, but I wrote that and it got to number three in the, in the charts. Wow! Yeah. It's funny, you know, Craig, uh, you said in a recent interview, uh, you were asked what you're most proud of. You said being an Aussie and being a good son. I've never seen a sportsman of your age show so much raw emotion about your family as you do, about your father and about what your mother gave you, your your self-belief and the horizons that you created in life. It's supposed to be a funny show. <laughs> no, there's emotion in our show. You still get emotional about your parents. I do, I do. That's why we need to move on, because uh, they're just such good people, you know, and uh, I like to think that you're a good person because of uh, where you come from. Mm. And I believe that, you know, and... Uh, you Sorry, know, man, I, don't, I didn't... Uh, I just, no, no, yeah, no, I, I just... You're I, so proud of them. Yeah, but I get too emotional, you know, um, and what have you. So what I want to do is, is actually leave a legacy, you know, and, 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 and use the power of sport to, to leave a legacy because at the end of the day, it's not what you won, and you, you've won stuff, mate, and as a captain, you've won plenty of stuff, you know, um, but it's who you win it with and the quality of people you're with. All the guys I was with were all gentlemen. They were all good boys that gave their all, you know, and uh, I look at kids today and I, I worry about them. I worry about them. Back in our day, we all played sport, right? There was black and white. There was right and wrong. There was good and bad. You know who the good good guys were and the bad guys. Now there's so much grey yeah, and the so social true. media and we're losing our kids mm. uh, from team sport. Mm. So we're mm. losing that team spirit that we had in the dressing room. Mm. You know, you, you, well, you said, said earlier on, Kelly, you know, tell me a funny story about your career. Mate, they're all funny. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had time to have this to a thousand. Sadly, we don't. Uh, it's so wonderful to have you uh, in the country and at this desk. Hope we do it again very, very soon. OK, Great. thank you. Johnston, thank, thank you so much. Coming up, our champ of the week. <clears throat> Welcome back, everybody. Now, how is this for a story? Have a look at this. This horse had very little interest in racing. I don't know what the official term crash is for that. Well, it's called pig rooting, yeah, Tony. And and right, it's the jockey's thrown. The amazing thing goes. Look at that. The jockey's upset. Goes through the fence. Oh, is that called pig rooting? Oh, chases the other horse. Now we're really getting serious. The horse that was causing all the trouble. Jockey got back on, raced, and it came second. Oh, wow. Oh, came me. second. Doesn't Trist. say much for the rest of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> Time now for our Champ of the Week, brought to you by Subway. And we're going to go with uh, Eleni Glufzis, uh, hands down the standout, striding onto Etihad Stadium, the first woman field umpire in the history of the AFL. That's a great moment, isn't it? Uh, went on to make plenty of good calls. As you said, Kel, players, very respectful. It was a great moment for the game. Uh, she has to be. I didn't think I'd ever make a referee an or an official, an umpire. Yeah, champ uh, of the week. Champ of the week. Thought it would never happen, but it has. You've changed. Well played. Uh, sadly, that's where we leave you. Thank you all for your time. Thank you. And thank you. We'll see you next week. This has been a production of Fox Sports.